Hallelujah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. You could be seated a minute. Praise God. I wanted to mention a little something about some books, and we went over this one this morning, God's Healing Supply. I think it's one of the best books we've ever written. And uh, I got some help from a lady that helps me. Sean helps me on some books. She helps me on others. Uh, she's a pastor. And uh, then these are my uh, healing and deliverance testimonies. You know, if you'll fill that out, if you have something happen to you, and you don't have to fill it out before I leave, keep it for a month or two months. Go back to the doctor. If it's really God, he will share with you. You don't need this or you don't need that and things like that. So these really are important. I got a collection of them. Plus I got emails from all over the world too. But I got a lot of these, a whole bunch of them. I got six or seven in here I carry with me. So if you wouldn't take the time to do that, because I was in, uh, uh, what's that, uh, Long Island in New York and a lady came up to me, she's 29, she said, said, do you remember me? I said, I'm sorry, I don't, I go to so many churches a year. Uh, are you with this church? She said, yeah, and I was in your, your deliverance line last year for depression. And she said, I'm 29, I'm a single mother, I have a child at home and said, I, uh, not only was I depressed and had it most of my life, I took myself off of Prozac the next day. I said, I didn't tell you to do that, did I? Because I always governed myself to never do that to people. You know, because I'm not in people's hearts. I don't know what kind of faith they have. I mean, even the closest to me. <laughs> you know, I've just learned over the years, you can't just assume things with everybody that you think you know. You could be living with somebody for 30 years and they just flake out on you and you go, what in the world happened? Well, something happened to them because they're not the same person. All right, I'll get off that, but <laughs> everybody needs to hear it. You know, if you don't maintain what you have, you'll lose what you have now. You have, to, you have to maintain things and what you obtain, you have to maintain it. It's just like a house or a car. You can't live in a house forever and just let it run down around you. Or a car, I mean, it won't be worth anything time you're done with it. Anyway, this has about, I didn't count them, about 30 different scripture things in it. Just different, um, different things like this is the lady with the issue of blood. Daughter, your faith hath made you whole. Jesus speaking, go in peace and be whole of thy plague. And then uh, down through here, it's got about six or eight translations of that, um, that verse. And then it's got a confession at the end here says, in Jesus' name, I, I declare my trust and confidence in God as the one who heals all my diseases. Jesus Christ bore stripes on his back to pay the price for my body to be whole. I receive the wholeness with my faith. I thank you, Father, that my faith restores to me health, like in the same way that the woman's faith in Mark 5 restored her to health. I live in your peace and am continually healed and freed from bodily disease. I am well because of my faith. I'm healed and will no longer be in pain. Through faith, I am sound in body and healed of all afflictions. That's just one little verse that about the lady with the issue of blood. Anyway, it's just really helpful. I, I wrote that on purpose to help the body of Christ because my opinion were behind in healing as well as a lot of other topics, I think. That's my feeling. I'm not yelling at anybody. I'm just saying we have to stay current. <laughs> and you've got to learn to not be ashamed to teach the same thing over and over and over and over until people want to say, shut up. You can say whatever you want. I'm going to teach it over and over. I've been teaching on this subject on angels 42 years. I do know a thing or two about it. And I don't use computers. I looked them up one at a time, uh, about 50 times in my lifetime now. 
This is our book on divine impartations, divine rescues. I think this is a really good book too because we put our prophecies in it, not every prophecy, but several of them. Because when I thought I was done, I said, I'm not done. So I called Michelle and said, hold up until I get back with you. And I prayed further and the Lord said, I want you to put some of your uh, confessions in here. I mean, some of your prophecies. And like this one here is received from Dr. Ed Dufresne in Muncie, Indiana in 1996. Uh, it says, you've experienced the ministry of a teacher for many years, but now you're moving into that prophetic realm and you're moving into the supernatural realm. And I want, to, I want you to stick your hand out and the fire of God has come on your right hand in the name of Jesus. You'll have more success in the area of bones being healed and be bold about it. I just told you I was on the phone yesterday. A lady lives in Florida. I think she got healed in South America when I was uh, in uh, Bogota, Colombia, I think been healed a long time. She had a herniated disc of some sort. She said she was in so much pain she couldn't even walk. She said, I just almost passed out from the pain. I heard you give a word to people with bone problems I got in your prayer line. You touched me and all the pain left. I haven't had another one since then. That was in the 90s. <laughs> and she married the interpreter that interpreted for me in most of my meetings. And he now has a church in Florida. Anyway, they're excited about me coming if I could make time for them. Uh, I like this, this first chapter, Spiritual Catalyst. The, way I'm, the reason I'm reminded that we have all these pastors here. And there's something supernatural happens. I, I can try to say it simply, I think, when you have other pastors in a meeting when you're preaching. Not that the sheep don't understand that. They can understand too. But when you have other fivefold ministry gifts among you, it does something different to my mantle. It adds different levels of things in there that maybe I normally wouldn't function in, not all the time, but in some level, I think it brings me up. Amen. <laughs> so, okay. We're going to get in the Word, and then we're going to minister to some people tonight. So let's see where I want to start at. I've got several papers. Don't let that mess with your head. Let's go back here, first of all, to Hebrews chapter 1. I want to look at that again. Is, can there be anything else in Hebrews 1.14? Oh, my gosh, yes. I want to read something that uh, Pastor, I mean, Brother Kenneth E. Hagan, who was a prophet, said, and Pastor Nancy said something to me, too. These are some prophecies. They, one of them is just a general public to all of us from Kenneth E. Hagan. He says angelic activity would become more dominant if we would get in the Word and then wait upon the Lord more. Now, what do I mean, wait upon the Lord? You can't eat peanut butter sandwiches, watch TV, listen to Christian music and get anything and try to listen to God. He's not going to talk in that environment. I just know him well enough. Unless it's a matter of life and death and he's trying to save your life. But normally he don't interrupt that kind of nonsense because it's too, too chaotic. So anyway, I think Brother Hagin had something there. The angelic activity would become more dominant if we would get in the word and wait upon the Lord more. Actually, uh, Pastor Brandon here, he asked me a question. I don't know when that was since I, from when I left being a pastor to go into the prophet's ministry. I really was a prophet, but I was pastor in a church, which I could do, but probably shouldn't have done it as long as I did, to be honest. But anyway, he said, what's the difference in you, how you study now versus when you're a pastor? I said, oh, it's easy. I was always teaching as a pastor, and I'm still teaching, but I'm teaching out of a different office now, out of the office of the prophet. And when the pastors turn the meeting over to me, you're now in the room of a prophet. That doesn't make me more special. It just makes me who I am. And if you understand that, you can get things out of my mantle or out of the anointing that's on my life that God put there. I didn't ask for any of it. 
truth being told. I never asked for any of it. And I certainly didn't ask to see anything either. So anyway, Pastor Nancy said this to me. She said, the angels will be bringing messages to you, to me, and you're going to have more revelations and more visitations concerning angels. I, this was in uh, 4.12, so that's been 10 years ago when she told me that. So anyway, that's a good thing. And then I've had all that come to pass since she said that. Hallelujah. Now, let's, uh, let's go over here. Let me see here. Let's go over. Oh, we're in Hebrews, right? We didn't read that yet, did we? <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. You're really good at that, you know. <laughs> Verse 13, but to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. He didn't say that to an angel. The reason he's contrasting that. He said that to Jesus. And by the way, that includes me and you. Because as he is, so are we in this world. It says in 1 Peter 3, I haven't got time to teach all that, but you know, authorities, powers, are all subject to him. Well, they're subject to us too, because we're joint heirs with him. So he goes back to the subject of angels in verse 14. Are they, the angels, not all minister, are they not all ministering spirits? They all have a job, job, a job description of what they can do. I have one angel, he just does one thing. He does lungs and that's it have other angels that do multitude of things on people. Many times they reach into somebody's body and take something out or put something in, different things like that. I had a lady in my church, she was having female problems. I didn't know what she was having. When I taught on angels in 1995, uh, that wasn't the first time I ever taught on it, but I taught 15 weeks in a row. I think in my book I went back and found, I said 18 weeks in there, and I'm not sure which is the right answer, but a long time on Wednesday night. 15 hours just me teaching and didn't get over what I knew back then, much less what, and that's been 95, that's been on 27 or eight years now. See, there's stuff you learn if you pursue it. I could have stopped anywhere along the way after two days and just thought I was all that in a bag of chips, but I wasn't much at all. I wasn't even a good chip, you know. To <laughs> Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. Or I always say, because that's 2,000 years ago, it was written, I'm already an heir to those of us who are the heirs of salvation. So the angels and their part in our life is part of, part of the package, part of our inheritance. It's part of redemption in a little different setting that most people haven't thought about. I'm just shocked sometimes at the lack of understanding that people have. I was in a meeting not too long ago and a lady asked a question. I thought, well, I'm kind of embarrassed to answer it because it is such a low question. But I went ahead. She said, do you have to know your angel's name to put him to work? And I said, absolutely not. I wanted to say, who told you that? <laughs> you know, I've read 100 books on angels and I shredded 97 of them. Yes, I have three left. One of them is mine. <laughs> that ought to tell you what I think about people that write on subjects they shouldn't have wrote on. Yes. Got a prancy cover. It's just fluff. They don't even feed a hungry puppy much less a human being. So he says, they're all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those of us who are there to salvation. Okay, I want to start down a trail with you here. Let's go back to Job uh, chapter four. And we're going to study this. We're talking tonight about personal angels. Now you can call them guardians if you want. There is one, there is one chapter in the Bible. I think it's Daniel, maybe four. You don't have to look this up, but there's three three recordings in there. Uh, 
of Nebuchadnezzar. Of course, he's an ungodly man, but anyway, he had these experiences three times in the night seasons when he's laying down to go to sleep. The watchers came to him, the holy ones, he calls them. But the watcher in the Hebrew word there in Daniel 4 is guardian. But that's the only place I know where it's mentioned like that. So I always say personal because I want to make a contact with you personally tonight that when we talk about the things we're going to talk about, you're included and whoever you are, you have personal angels assigned to you and may probably more than one, but at least one. When you're born here, the only legal entry into this planet is through the womb of a woman. That's the only way to get here legally. Yeah. So I just thought I'd tell you that. It's important. You need to know you have, uh, you know, we have a president. We, we've had a president for all these many years now. And there's different people take the same job requirement, which is be Secret Service. But even those guys, I watched a special just last week on Secret Service employment. And those guys, though they're pretty sharp and they're pretty rough people, believe me, they look sharp in their, their ties and shoes and hair combed and talking into the little pals and, you know, all this stuff. But they know how to hurt you and protecting our president, thank God. But they even, even them have to lay down and take a, a nap or at night rest because then somebody else takes their place, does the same thing in a different shift. But the angels, they don't ever die and they never get tired. You talk about full-time energy, they got it. And furthermore, since none of them died, when you go all the way back to Genesis 3, it's the first mention that I know about of angels in the Bible. And uh, we see, you know, there's just so much in the Bible that accomplishes a, such a stretch from the book, first book of the Bible to the last. I think there's 70 references in Revelation, one time I counted them, of angels. 70. That's a massive amount. I think Malachi has 23, which is pretty good. But those two outdo all the other books as far as amount of references for angels. There's over 300 references to angels. I was just thinking this the other day, don't wanna make anybody mad that teaches faith. I teach it and I, more than that, I try to live it. That's the deal. But uh, there's not 300 references to faith in the Bible that I know anything about. And I've studied faith for, since I've been born again 50 years ago now. Even at a limited mindset because I didn't know much, but still I studied it and walked in it. I turned down a very good job to go into the ministry with nothing hardly in my pocket and I made it and God provided for me all these years because I was willing to go. I'm not bragging, I'm just talking to you in a general way. And now those 300 references to angels, 100 of them, 100 of 300, and there might be some others added on if you do the different word search, you know, like host and different things. But anyway, that's a massive amount of scriptures and, uh, you know, I don't know why people have missed it. And I could teach on family with 16 scriptures and teach everything I know about family from that, how to raise your kids, how to have a good life with your mate, how to handle your money, how to handle your mouth, how to handle your body, how to handle your mind. I could do all that and maybe only have 16 references. So you can see how vast this thing is. I'm not gonna teach the whole thing naturally. It's 300, I haven't got time. I'm just gonna take you to the highlights. But I'm talking to you tonight about personal angels. I want you to get used to thinking in terms of angels that work for you. They work for me constantly. Because, now listen, they belong to me. And I know that. I've studied it enough. And I've had other visitations I never asked for, even visions and things like that, where they told me different things about 
my calling and different things like that to some level. But here in Job chapter 4, and somebody always says, can anything come out of good come out of Job? I said, well, Job made it out. His funky wife didn't. That's all I'm going to say about her. Man. I think he struck out when he got her, but anyway. You know, she's the one said, just curse God and die, honey. You're already hurt, just curse God and go on home. What kind of wife says that to her husband? Unless she hates him. I can't imagine anybody doing that. But anyway, verse 18, Behold, he put no trust in his servants, um, to Job here, and his angels, notice they were his angels. That's just what I said. Certain angels belong to me and others belong to Candace and Pastor Parker and Pastor Randy and all the other individuals that are here, even if you're children, you have angels assigned to you. And probably truth being known, if we had time and we don't, if I ask you to come up and give a testimony, I mean, practically everybody here would have some kind of event where they're almost drowned, almost in a car wreck, and they're over here on this side of it, and they see everything happening. It's like a blitz on their brain, and then all of a sudden they're over here, and you feel weird for about five seconds because you go, what just happened to me? <laughs> and I told you about uh, Pastor Mark and Dona. Dona, his wife, this happened to her many years ago. She was driving. There's a car coming, going to T-bone her on her side of the car. The car drove up to her car. God lifted the car up, set it, all, set it over her car, and set it back down on the street, and it kept going. The car didn't even get wrecked, much less her getting hurt. <laughs> and they were Nazarenes. <laughs> Think about what I'm saying. It'll dawn on you about 3 o'clock in the morning. You'll get up and dance in your room because you're Pentecostal people. All right. Now let me let me give another uh, reading of this verse 18 in the Amplified Bible. He says he puts no trust or faith or confidence in his heavenly servant. So he's not talking about people serving him, this Job, but he's talking about his angels that are that are attached to him. We're trying to help him, but it, notice what it says. He didn't have any faith in them. You know, you can learn something, but if you don't have any faith in it, it won't work for you. You know, that's what I'm saying. We have to use our faith at whatever level we're at. Apply your faith to it. And if you release angels to protect you, for goodness sake, believe they're going to do just that. <laughs> or just don't pray. And then you're not going to have anything if you don't talk right. And this guy didn't know this either because it says his angels he charged or he spoke to them. That's just an old English word. He said something to the angels. And he, what he said was, was charged with folly. We would say foolishness. I can tell you what they're going to do if you talk foolish to them. Nothing. But you have another group over here called familiar spirits that get attached to you when you're born or before because they know all your silliness in your, in your grandparents. And they, you don't know it probably, but grandma and great aunt and so on. And they're called, you know, familiar. They're familiar with your family and they try to make you experience all the downfalls of the previous couple generations. Let's just say your woman and your mother had breast cancer and two of your aunts had breast cancer and all of a sudden you get sore in a certain area of your body and the devil starts working. I bet you got it too. You better go get a mammogram. Nothing wrong with getting a mammogram if you need one, ladies. But don't let the devil bite, bite you into thinking you have to have it because all the women in your family had it. That's a lie. We're, we're, they, they might be redeemed, but they don't know what redemption did for them. So how are they going to get it free from anything? If you don't know that's in the Bible, you just have to deal with your flesh. All right. 
Thank you. I just, this is the thing though, he had no faith in his servants. They were servants to him, he had no faith in them to tell them to do something that was intelligent. When you speak against the word, you're like Job, you charge your angels with folly and they will just fold their hands and fold their wings and just walk away from you. You see, you began, that's the title of my book. Angels on earth are waiting on you like they're waiting. I wonder if they're ever gonna say something we could do, Charlie. I'm just making up terms. <laughs> I don't know, they haven't said anything much lately for the last 10 years. Well, then we can't help them. We don't have anything to fuel us, to fuel like put gas. The Lord told me after I wrote my book or I'd put it in there that the words I speak, Jesus told me, fuel the angels that work with me. So if I don't give them any words that are lined up with the Bible, so you could just, you could, here's a little, little side thing. I'm gonna slip it in on you right now if you wanna make a note. Psalm 91, you ought to learn it by heart and yeah. pay attention to it because of all the pages in the Bible, as far as angels go in protection, Psalm 91's got them all beat, <laughs> my opinion. And there's a lot in there to learn and grow and, and pray that out of your own spirit. Reading it aloud and just take a verse a day or a verse a month, whatever you wanna do, but learn it good. So we see here, this is a problem for Job because he didn't believe in these angels, though he had them. And he had plural, it says, and he charged them with folly or foolishness, we would say. Now let's go back here to Revelation chapter 22. I'm gonna go a little different direction tonight, but still staying with personal angels. And I wanted you to see this in your own Bible. I'm reading out of a King James Bible. Uh, and Revelation 22 and verses eight and nine. You know, in the first chapter of Revelation, God, Jesus said he sent his angel, because he's got a personal, I'm gonna show you that in a minute, he had a personal angel too, why? Because he was born here. Yes. He didn't get that because he was, came from heaven, he got it because he was a man. Yes, All right. And I, John, saw these things and heard them, and when I had heard and seen, verse eight, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel, which showed me these things, showed him the book of Revelation in picture form, or visions and stuff. Then saith he unto me, see thou do it not, for I am your fellow servant, and of the brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. I put down here in a footnote that I personally wrote, the angel said, I'm your servant. He confirms what Job said back there. He didn't, but here it doesn't say he didn't have any faith in him. I'm showing you that angels are servants to us. Okay, now let's go to John 18 a minute. Are you following me okay? I'm just giving you several scriptures uh, for some of this because it's so important that we know this Bible. You know, you may have relatives, they don't even read the Bible. They just wag it to church and put it up and they get home, get it out the next Sunday. You can't talk sense to people like that. They're too ignorant of spiritual things. I mean, there may be fine people that may be moral or ethical, but that don't mean they know much about this. Jesus answered 18, 20, 1836, John 18, John the Gospel and verse 36. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. It is of a world, but not this world, not the natural world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. He's got servants too, and they're the angels, but I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from thence. In other words, he's gonna go ahead and, and just take the curse for us. So he's not, he had a right to be delivered because he was tempted in all ways like we are, yet without sin. You're without sin, you could call for anything to deliver you. 
nothing to have a right to even, even First John 5 says, you can keep yourself to where you get to a place the wicked one, he can't even touch you. You're like a, the ruby red slippers of Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. Yes. There's no such thing as a good witch either. But there are a lot of people that are witches in the churches sometimes, men and women. They're control freaks. They think they're more important than everybody else too. They, they're the monitor for me and Pastor Randy and other men of God. Brother. Hallelujah. All right. Let me, let me just move on. I was just showing you here about, he's used the word servant in Revelation, referring to the angel himself said, I'm your servant. Don't bow down and worship me. And they don't worship you either. So if they ever come and worship you, you ought to rebuke it. It's the devil in disguise. Go to Genesis 48 with me. We're making good progress. I'm talking about personal angels assigned to you. They're going to help you in life. We talked to, looked at Job and, and things like that. And so this is about Jacob that we read this morning. Remember the same Jacob in Genesis 28 that uh, saw the ladder from heaven, I mean from earth to heaven, and the angels ascended and descended, came back to earth because this is where they live. The angels I'm talking about. I'm not talking about borrowing angels from heaven. All I'd have to do is go down to unemployment. Most human beings don't even use the ones they got. I'll ask for another five because I know what to do with them if I have them. <laughs> I'm not teasing you at all. You think I am, but I'm not. Because 30 years ago, I said that to people and made a joke out of it. And God's just kept adding to me. I don't know who they belong to initially. I don't know. They'll go back if they need them, but I don't think they're going to need them. They don't know what to do with them. You know, it isn't. You don't get blessed because you can see an angel. That is falsehood. That is, that's error. That's a heretic. And I'm not that kind of person. But anyway, uh, Jacob wrestled with the angel in chapter 32 of Genesis, and he prevailed with him. <laughs> that ought to make you think, what kind of authority does this man have? What kind of authority do we have? He's old covenant man. Right. We're over into Jesus, the new covenant. <laughs> anyway, they changed his name to Israel because he was kind of a scoundrel. You know, Jacob, he was a surplanter, a deceiver, always working a deal. Remind me of some people I met in my own church. Yeah, they're always working something, trying to work it on me and all the other ignorant believers sometimes. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head, verse 14, who was the younger. And that because Manasseh should have got that, but because he forfeited his calling by doing some things he just shouldn't have done. So his younger brother got it. And because it says he moved his hands wittingly, we don't talk like that. He moved his hands skillfully to do one of these numbers like that. And his son, <laughs> hey, Dad, you've got a cross here. What's the matter with you? There's nothing wrong with me. Stay out of this. That's my interpretation. And, and it says, and he blessed Joseph and said, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God, notice this, which fed me all my life long unto this day. So he's, he's saying he had a long life, and I'm going to say something to you right now. You could have a, the genes to live a long life, but if you don't have the angels and you neglect that part of your life, the Bible says, what, what, are, you, what are you going to do if you neglect it? You have nothing to fall back on. So I'm going to just say being in the will of God is number one for you. If you want to have a long life, if you want to stay around, if you don't want to stay around, go to heaven. That's what I would say to you. I'm not mad at you, but I love you. But if you don't want to do anything for God, just go on to heaven. What's the purpose? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I know I sound mean, but I'm not. I'm just talking to you. 
Anyway, it says he had a long life. My point in saying that is you have to be in God's will and you have to realize you have angelic protection assigned to you specifically <laughs> that know how to handle every kind of a human being there is in this planet, witches and all. Yeah, I mean, just anything you come up against, they can handle it and they can help you handle it. Then he says, the angel, verse 16, here it is, the big, this is Jacob. He's looking back on his life now and he said, the angel which redeemed me, redeemed me, that would mean one person, him, Jacob, the angel which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads and let my name be named on them in the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Not get drunk at the senior prom and get killed running into a telephone pole. Now you think I made that up, but that had to come right out of my church. Parents don't know how to raise their daughters and then she got involved with this guy and then when she was pregnant and then he got drunk and ran into a telephone pole and that was the end of that. The baby came, but she didn't have a husband anymore. She, didn't, she wasn't even married yet. It was just a struggle and the parents are just jacked too now. Anyway, I didn't mean to tell you all that. You know, you probably know a few people that are jacked too. You know what jack means? Messed up. Okay. So he's praying all that, but what I wanted you to see is he realized is he's an old, old man right now. He's getting ready to go home. He said, the angel which redeemed me or delivered me, that'd be a better word there, from all evil. That includes sickness and disease. You know, sickness and disease it doesn't mean that the person who is sick is evil, but the one who brought it's the evil one. So therefore it's evil. God never intended for you to be sick, period. And I, and I know they didn't have all the vitamins we have even, or the medicine in the, in the garden, but he had plants and he created him as God to this world, Adam. All right, so we're looking here, we're seeing, now this is the old covenant man, the book of Genesis. He's an old, old man getting ready to go home. I forget how old he was right now. It's not as important. But to see that he knew he had an angel which protected him his whole life, his whole long life. Amen. <laughs> yeah. So that's important. Now let's go over to Matthew 18. This is a key scripture for our study. Do you have to give all these? I don't have to do anything. <laughs> but if you don't give scriptures, people, people want to argue with me. That's why in my books, I always put what the scripture says right along with what I said it said. So if you want to argue, you can argue with my book until it falls apart if you want, but just buy one, don't just steal it. <laughs> Sometimes I can be pretty funny, not trying to be, but I, it's a good book on impartations. And uh, anyway. And, and God told me I'd have a portion of the younger generation when I got older, and that's this time now. I'm not old, but I'm older, I'm 72. And so I, he said, I'll give you a portion of this younger generation coming up where you can mentor them and train them and help them, whether they're pastors or not, or people like Candace. I've been around her a lot. I've been around the Hattieball girls quite a bit, both of them. And I try to help if I can help, you know. I'm not the big snooper out. I'm not looking for things that are wrong. I'm looking for things I could impart to them if, if that would work. So anyway, Jesus is talking about real young children here in Matthew 18. And he's the one that brought it up about personal angels assigned to children. He says in verse 10 of Matthew 18, Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. I found out in study they were very young children. And I say unto you that in heaven, their angels, T-H-E-I-R, that it shows ownership or 
a connection between the children and their particular angel that's been assigned to them. Do, uh, says, uh, their angels do always behold the face of my Father, which is in heaven. Now, I'm going to explain that to you. If I've already explained it to you, just act excited that I said it anyway, would you? To make the people that's never heard it get excited with. There's three. Th Paul, you know, things are progressive. Jesus never missed it. That's, he's, he's the champion. But Paul came later and he said he was caught up to the third heaven. So you, when you read a scripture like that, you need to figure out what he's talking about. And I think he gave me a good explanation. The first heaven is the atmosphere of the spirit, which coexists with this natural. Like tonight, I'm telling you, at least, at least one angel that's assigned to you is in this meeting with us tonight. And they are so excited I'm talking about them. And they don't get much publicity. And I'm trying to help you see that. So the first heavenly realm is the realm of the spirit, which they're right here with me and with all of us. And that's the first heaven. So, you know, when it says heaven here, it doesn't mean the, the planet called heaven. It doesn't mean that exactly. It could have meant that, but that's just what the Lord explained to me. Because I found out when you're in the spirit, time and distance don't mean anything. And then Isaiah is another example of that in Isaiah 6. You can read it later, the first eight verses. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. This is Isaiah the prophet. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. His feet are on the earth, but he's looking into heaven and he sees what's going on up there in the throne room. The seraphim are flying around the throne room, crying, holy, holy, holy. When they go by the doors, they rattle at their voice because they're so powerful. And one of them looks at you know, Isaiah, he knows he's not talking right. He's not telling dirty jokes and cussing. I'm trying to help you. Yes, he recognizes he's a man of unclean lips. That doesn't mean he's cussing all the time or telling a dirty joke. Yes, it just meant he wasn't talking in line with the word. Right. And that angel broke rank and went and got a coal of fire, touched his lips with it and said, I'm purged now. Hallelujah. You know, we were here ordaining Misty. I don't know if all of you were here. A lot of you were. And there was an angel came around. Pastor Parker was on this side. Randy was on this side. Misty was in the middle. I'd already prayed for it, and I just stepped back and said, go ahead and minister to her. And an angel came around the back of Pastor Alvin, and he went like this, put this on her lips. He handed me a hot coal. It wasn't hot to my touch, but it looked like it was hot. Touched Misty's lips. She fell down. And if you were here that night, the anointing hit us like a big blanket fell on us. <laughs> it was weighty. Kind of like this morning, it was weighty. Not because I'm something, because he's something. I'm not an owner of the anointing. I'm just a steward of it on my part. So, so what I'm saying about Isaiah, the second heavenly would be the stellar heavens. You know, they sent, I read an article on an airplane about 20 years ago, I think, probably that, about NASA. They sent up a, what do you call that, a satellite thing that had a Hubble telescope in it. You know, Mr. Hubble was a famous scientist that invented the Hubble telescope. You could see way out in the... But he put one on that satellite going, and it's already out of our solar system into another solar, maybe even two or more solar systems. I don't know how far, I don't know, it could be millions of miles out in space. And they're sending back pictures to NASA of places that look like Earth. I don't think they've had anybody walking a dog in a park yet, but anyway, <laughs> just talking to you here. There's a lot we don't know. That's the second heaven, it's the stellar heavens. And, I, and they already said there's other, all kinds of things out there we, don't need, we didn't even know existed. We had no proof of it until these pictures come back to NASA from way out in outer space. And then there's a planet called heaven. That's where my wife sits. That's where a lot of your relatives are there already, maybe grandparents or parents or whatever. 
So it says that in heaven, or I would say it this way, the realm of the spirit, their angels, the children's angels, do always behold the face of the Father, which is in heaven. In other words, they can discern by looking into that realm what Father's needing them to do to help in the keeping of the children, keep them protected, keep them safe, stuff like that. Hallelujah. It's just interesting. And if Jesus hadn't said something about it like this, I don't know that I'd be so strong on teaching it, but he mentioned a lot about angels. Yeah. Now, let me see where I want to go now. Let's go over to uh, uh, Revelation chapter 1. I just know the more we go over this, the more people get and the more I get. And I'm not trying to act like I know it all. I've already told you I don't know it all. I know that I don't know it all. That's one good thing about me. I've always studied and tried to go back. I never told you what Brandon asked me. I didn't give you the answer to that. I said when I was a pastor, I used to study my notes over and over and over and over and over. And I got notes on top of notes on top of notes on top of notes. I really am a doctor. Look at that. <laughs> Can't even read it hardly. I know wherever scripture's at on that page. Don't fool with it. <laughs> I wanted to show you about Jesus, though, that he had a personal angel because he was born here. He came through Mary's body. The seed in him was the seed of God, the sperm of God, the word of God. Took, it was the, the male part that went with the other to create a human being, and that was Jesus. But it says in Revelation 1.1, the real revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. So he had a personal angel. And there's other times he had other angels that watched him when he was in the wilderness. Did we talk about that yet? Maybe last night or no. Anyway, Jesus was in the wilderness with wild animals that would eat him if they didn't control something. They weren't at the zoo with somebody with a tranquilizer dart on the fence trying to shoot them if they get out of control. That's never going to happen back then. They didn't even know how to put a gun together that did that. I mean, David just learned the slingshot, you know, a couple of years before that. My point in telling you that is Jesus had a personal angel. He talked about a lot of angels that work with him and for him. And I don't know what those angels did to, to preserve him, but they took care of things for him. I'll tell you that. Now, let's go quick, because I want to get into the latter part of this has to do with pastors and the angels assigned to churches and or ministries like myself. I'm not a pastor, but I have angels assigned to me for my ministry part that other people in the ministry wouldn't need if they're not in ministry. You could have something similar, though, of course. But let's go back here to Psalm 34. And, and talking to Jesus about this subject, and believe me, I've done a lot of talking to him, asking questions that I considered intelligent questions to ask him. So one time, it's been a long time back, maybe 30 years, I don't know. I said, what is the best scripture you could give me that indicates what kind of person I should be or the body of Christ should be to warrant angelic help? He said, I, he said, Psalm 34, 7. So I'm going to look at that with you right now. Psalm 34, 7. And when I get done talking about it, I think you'll see something here. And it says, I, I mean, Psalm 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, that fear God, and delivereth them. Now, it, there is an angel of the Lord, but I don't think that's him because, listen to me carefully here. I've studied this out. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Angels can only be one place in one time. Yeah. 
The Holy Ghost, he's all over the planet until such a time that he's removed from the planet. But right now you could run to Africa or England or Australia or South America or Central America or Europe or Asia or some of Saudi Arabia and he's still gonna be there for you if you need him, the Holy Ghost, because he's everywhere. Angels don't function like they can only be in one place at one time. So that's why I know it's not the angel of the Lord because he'd have to be in with us the whole time to, to make this work. And he's not going to be able to do that as a single being. I don't mean he's not married. I mean, he's by himself. It's not one angel. It's an, and really, when you think about it, listen to me carefully, this helped me a lot, too. I said, Lord, you, you, you talk about the angels of the Lord, but wouldn't that fit for covenant since I'm in covenant with you? If you have angels, I have them because you, I'm connected to you. <laughs> I'm a joint heir with you. I mean, when I studied out Jesus, his, his reliance on him was amazing on the angels. He had faith in them. <laughs> and we need to, too. So the angel Lord encamps around about them. That's plural. So that would mean an angel would have to become a different creature than he is to get two places at the same time. That's impossible. Scripturally, I cannot find any evidence of that whatsoever. That's why I say it with strong emphasis. But the angels are of the Lord in the sense that he's their creator. I'm not their creator. I'm taking advantage of what he created for me. Maybe more, so, more than average bear because I know more and I'm willing to put in the time to do that. Like when I get up in the morning, not immediately, but pretty soon I say, Father, I want to thank you today for the angels you've assigned to me to keep me uh, delivered from all injury, harm, and destruction. And I thank you for it. I release them now to do just that. From any injury, harm, or destruction. Any injury, harm, or destruction. Any injury, harm, or destruction. That covers about everything, I think. Now, I just made it up on the Word because the Bible says in 2 Timothy 4.18, the Lord delivers me from every evil work. He didn't say he personally does it, but he's in charge of that through the angels if we cooperate with them. You know, there's, there's, there's such a thing that you can get to where you almost are living in a different world than most humans. And if you try to talk to them about it, a lot of them spit it back on you. They don't even want anything to do with it, which I don't understand that, why you wouldn't want to be a winner. <laughs> Doesn't mean we've all accomplished that yet, but I'm working on me. I'm a lot further along than I was 50 years ago when I was a drug dealer and a drug addict. Hello. And I didn't get myself delivered from that. He delivered me, like that said, divine rescues. But it says, the angel of the Lord camps around about them that fear him and delivers. Now, let me give you the Hebrew of this. It's just real simple. And then I'm going to talk for a minute to the pastors and ministers here about something. But let me find that. It says in Webster's, and I have that new one. You know, Pastor Parker bought me that, I think. Didn't you not? And it's a big green dictionary. It's about that thick. I used to have the little red one that's a collegiate. But it always left me wanting more, thinking there was more to the definition. But Noah Webster was a very committed Christian. And his, his dictionary is this thick. And I mean, it's a 30 pound book. You have to carry it with both arms like me. I can't just walk around with it under my arm. So you go to the reference and look up words, Bible words, and he gives a definition. And then out by it, he puts this verse and that verse and that verse to confirm what he just said is true in the Bible. What a wonderful way to think. <laughs> yeah, I've trained myself to try to think that way. And I'm doing better at it. So it says here in the Webster's, the big one, the real one, to encircle or surround. The angels will come to us and surround us 
and encircle us. Those that fear God, the word fear in the Hebrew means this, to worship, respect, and be devoted to, to respect in word or action. So when it says to fear the Lord is to worship, it doesn't mean just when Pastor Randy or uh, Tiffany or whoever's up here singing, okay, lift your hands. We would out of respect for God already normally have them up. But the point I'm making is that's not what that's talking about there. It's talking about how you live in an arena of reverence towards God. Yes. Yeah, you don't want to do things you used to do. You want to serve God. You want to be in the church. You want, you want to get away from all the friends that are not right. Because they will bear on you. All right. So it says here, they encircle or surround us and we live in a worshipful life, a respectful life. And you know, if you have respect in a local church, you have respect for your pastors. And then unless you're a strifer, which is deadly to have a strife in your life, it's as deadly as unforgiveness, maybe worse. But at the same time, if you, you're in a church, you love all the people that go to that church, unless there's something wrong with you. Now, some people are more difficult to love than others, but that's no excuse for you to you're not the judge of anybody, are you, except yourself? And that's for me too. I'm not a sniffer, big sniffing out everything so people do wrong. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying you would, to fulfill this scripture here, you'd have to love the whole body of Christ. Yeah, and that's important. And it says if you do all that, you will be delivered. But the Hebrew says to escape wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, or completely, to be delivered fully or deliberate. It reminds me of that prophet in the Old Testament, 2 Kings 6, and he had a minister of help with him, and he, and he got up early, the minister of help. I don't know about other men, but I pray a lot at night anymore when I'm older. And not every night, but I do pray at night, and sometimes I get up and pray in the middle of the night. But anyway, he, the enemy was trying to get him and capture the prophet because sinners are just crazy. I want to tell this story. The, the king of Syria, or Assyria, I forget which one it was, he got all of his leaders together in one room and said, I want to know which one of you are telling, telling Israel about me. Who's going to raise their hand? They're going to slice his head swift, totally off. You're in a room with the leader of the whole army or the president of the country or whatever, and you're going to say, that's me. Who's going to do that? See, sinners just don't think right. Volunteer for your own execution. And nobody spoke up. But one did finally say, I think it's that prophet over in Dothan, not Alabama but Dothan in the Middle East. And so just like the chicken the devil is, he comes at night with all of his troops around the city and on the mountain, just happens to sit in a bowl kind of down like some other places I've been. And, and the guy goes out with his Nike tennis shoes, brand new ones, you know, he's got the very best. And the headband and a water bottle thing and he's just all set and he's running around the city and he looks up and he, he sees the whole city surrounded by a foreign army. So he comes back to his boss, the prophet said, they got us surrounded. And what did the prophet say? Lord, open his eyes. Well, that's the problem. He already had his eyes, not the spiritual ones though. And he opened his eyes and he saw, instead of this, the enemy, he saw the angels of God and the chariots of God had them surrounded. <laughs> and then Elisha did a little sly thing. I like that kind of, I think it was cute because he, he said, come on, I'll take you to the guy you're looking for. And when they all got around him, he said, now Lord blind him. And they all got struck blind temporarily, I'll take the lead horse. I just, he brought him into Jerusalem where there was Israel and all their war people. Okay, let them see now, Lord. And they needed huggies that day. <laughs> and I read my Bible thoroughly. It says and the Assyrians never came back in his lifetime in Elisha's, because one pro prophet <laughs> defeated the whole enemy. 
They didn't even kill him. I think, the, I think the guy in Israel said, this is bad enough for him. Believe you, we've shamed the you-know-what out of him. <laughs> They're so ignorant, and they didn't think the prophet had anything on the ball, but he knew how to outmaneuver them right. with just his words. <laughs> they never said he saw them, but he knew they were there. All right. Anyway. So we're going to be delivered fully, and that's what happened to the prophet. His little ministry of helps guy had almost a, you know, a heart something going on there. All right. Now let's go over to the book of Revelation. You still with me? Thank you. I, I, I think it's, I think we're doing pretty good. I like it so far. <laughs> um, we'll just look at the, in chapter two, three, and four, there's seven churches listed in the book of Revelation. And, uh, and it says here in uh, chapter 2, verse 1, I'm just going to read this one. I have them all marked here, 1, 2, 3, 4, and there's a few of them in the third chapter. Anyway, it says here, Under the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. So he's writing this to an angel. And, you know, somebody I heard get up, I won't mention their name because they're still alive. I wouldn't want to slander anybody. But I heard him say this, you know, th this is not written to angels, it's written to the pastors. Yeah. And I remember Dr. Dufresne was in that same meeting, and he, after the meeting, he walked over to me, and we were going back to the green room. Michael, have you already studied that? Yes, sir. What were them? What were these people? I said, they were, they were the angels. And I said, the reason I know that, because I looked up the Greek words for pastor or shepherd, it's poimen, the word for angels is angelos. They're two different words, they have two different beings behind them. So really the angel of the church was an angel, but the messenger, which angel means messenger somewhat, it's the, the pastor is the one sent to the church. This is the angel of the church. So he sent forth to do other things for the pastor. I'm gonna show you that in a minute if you're a pastor. And you'll have to be the one that does that, not me. I told my son recently, I was teaching this one lesson and I said, Jordan, you're, in, you're up to bat. You have to do that. I can't do that anymore. That, that angel was signed to this church. And since I'm not the pastor, I know I'm the CEO over the whole thing. But you're going to have to do it because you're the pastor. Now you have to talk to this angel and send him out to do whatever he needs to do to influence people. Things like They can't preach, but they can influence people. So let me see here if I said this all right. The word pastor, shepherd is, is the same word, but the word angel is an entirely different word. And so, uh, and then we found out in the book of Acts, I'm going to just, it's 737 and 38, that Moses had a church in the wilderness, I think of several million Jews, and it says in the angel that was with him. <laughs> they were even giving us a clue back in Exodus when they came out, but Moses had an angel that helped him with his church. Are you listening to me? If you see something back there, we don't have at least that, then we're flunked in the new covenant being better. That's why I'm a Hebrews 8, 6 guy, which means I have a better covenant than anybody had back then. And you do too, if you're in Christ now. And it's more fulfilling now because it's over in the best covenant. There's not any others covenant that I'm aware of. I don't know of any new covenant. This is a big kahuna right now. All right. Well, God put things in there for us to help us. Now, let's see here. Okay, let me give you two verses that the pastors can use, and then I want to move on to something at the end here about other ministry gifts like myself. Uh, let's go to Matthew 24 and 31. Now, this should mean something to you as a pastor. 
Of course, you need your people to be on it too, you know, and go and be a testimony. Matthew 24, I'm not going very fast here, let's see. Okay, Matthew 24, verse 31. Now, I found this scripture one day, but when I find something like this that I think would fit currently, not just an event that's coming, then I could pull it out and say, well, look what it says the angels do here. So this is what it says, verse 31, Jesus speaking. Uh, Matthew 24, 31. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect and the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So there's a time coming in the future when angels could gather things, gather people. So if they could do it then, I think they're capable of doing it now. Now they can't preach to people because Peter tells us there's things they desire to look into, but they don't know what me and you know. We, they don't even know what we know about them. You know, they just do what they're told. They're so easy. None of them has ever talked back to me in 50 years. Never. Never smart talked me. Never said, I'm not going to do that. Who do you think you are? They don't talk like that to me. Everyone that's ever spoken to me call me Michael. And they don't even have to do that if they just do what I tell them. If I'm telling them something scriptural. So anyway, I'm telling you that because as a pastor, you could send them forth to cause people to see your street sign over here. I had a couple going by my church every day from where they live. Uh, and they saw a church on the rock and they said, what's a church on the rock? So they had some, some kind of affiliation. I don't know how depth, deep, but they're wonderful people with Kenneth Copeland. So they called his ministry and asked about me. And they gave me two thumbs up. So they started coming. They were Church of God people. They showed up and they fit and they've been with me ever since. And probably maybe 10 years now. I don't know exactly. It's wonderful people. But they said, if we hadn't seen your sign, we probably wouldn't have been inquisitive. And they went by it every day, but they didn't pay any attention because they already had a church they went to. Okay, now with the thing about sending angels, let's go to Isaiah, this other verse, Isaiah 43. I hope this is helping people. I am going to pray for people in just a minute. I may have some words of knowledge, or you, maybe you could just come. We'll just see what I get in a minute. Um, 43, verse 5 and 6. This is such a good reference right here. When I found that out, I was still pastoring, and I found out angels could gather people, and I found this verse as a prayer person myself that really helped me. It says, Fear not, verse 5, Isaiah 43, 5 and 6. Fear not, I'm with thee. I will bring your seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, Give up, and to the south, Keep not back. Bring my sons, listen to this, from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth. So he's saying that you could rebuke the north, south, east, and west and send angels out to help them find you. And they don't come to church and just be a chair sitter, an attender, or even somebody that gives a little tip to God in the bucket. But these are people that become real sons and daughters to the pastor. I mean, every pastor in their normal mind would appreciate that if everybody would do that. Yeah. So that's for the pastors, this verse and the one in uh, Matthew I just gave you. I want to show you one more thing, though. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 5. And I wondered about this. You know, when I, uh, I was getting ordained, I think I was um, 1 Timothy 5. When I was getting ordained, you know, I had all kinds of people come. And some of the people I used to live with, they were rough people. Some of them bikers and other drug, they were all drug dealers. And they came the day I got ordained for, to ministry. 
And we were all crying. And I thought about that a long time. And finally I figured out there must have been angels there too. Because when angels really come into a meeting that I'm in normally, it becomes, uh, you may not see them, but there becomes a spirit of reverence on your being. And you go, what's, I don't know what's going on here, but I kind of like it. <laughs> I, I can't see a lot, but I know there's something going on. Good. And there was all these people crying. My father-in-law was there. He was a really a smart scientist guy. He was heady, you know, really intelligent person. But he didn't understand things of God like we teach now. I mean, he began to see a little more in a couple of years and apologized for what he said to me before I went to seminary. I didn't get offended with him. He, he was a scientist. And he said to me, you know, we had a, we had a barn sale because I lived on a farm then. And uh, God just blessed us with a house and it was 600 acres and all kinds of stuff. We didn't raise crops. The other farmers lived back there and did. But he, we had a barn sale and I was in the barn by myself and here come my wife's father. I've already been married to her for several years now. 70, 73, this is, it would have been 76 when I had this conversation with him. He said, I'll pay full tuition. I'll go over here to Cedarville College. It's only a mile and a half from your home. I said, I can't do that, Lee. Why not? I said, because God talked to me. God talks to you? Yes, he does. And he talked to you? Well, I've never heard him. I said, well, you know, I could just help you, but I don't know how to help you other than that you're going to have to get stopped and think and pray and talk to the Father because he should be talking to you really all the time if you're thinking yeah. about it. I said, yeah, God speaks to me. But I'm just one person out of millions that he speaks to. And he said, well, do you got any money to live when you get to Louisville, Kentucky? I said, well, I paid one month's rent and the, the, the whatever deposit. You have a job yet? No, but I'm going to get one. Does Diane have a job? I said, no, but she can have one too. She wants one. He, he looked at me like I was a, some alien talking. I said, well, Lee, listen, I, I know, you know, I can tell from your response to me, it's hard for you to take in. But I got to go where God told me to go. And he told me to come to Louisville. I didn't want to go to Louisville. I wanted to go someplace else. But it doesn't matter now because I submitted to him. And I went when he told me to go. He wanted me in school by August. So I went down prior to that, met the head of the, the seminary thing, the Bible college there. And that's where I ended up going to school. That's all I knew back then is Baptist. So you can't fault me too much. But anyway. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I was talking about my ordination. But I kind of went somewhere there. About my, oh, my father-in-law called me, I think, two years later when I graduated from seminary. And he said, you know that day we had that discussion in the barn? I said, I sure do. And he said, you know, I'm really sorry I spoke to you like that. I said, that's okay, Lee, I understood. You know, you're a scientific person, you have that kind of mind. He was in Who's Who's in America. He was a metallurgist, he knows how to put, when they had the, they sent up, I think, some monkeys in an aircraft to bring them back into this atmosphere, that thing heated up, it just about melted the whole pod when it got back into the earth, because it's too hot, several thousand degrees, that's hot. So he was called in with some other scientists that knew metallurgy, you put this alloy with this product and this alloy with that, then you mix it together and dash of salt and some pepper. And you, oh. Anyway, he, he figured that out so people didn't get killed back in the re-entry. And then they had the Alaskan pipeline and the, the motors they used to pump the oil, they couldn't handle that kind of brittleness. It's too cold up there. So they had to get all those out of those uh, 
that pipeline and put new ones in that can handle that and keep pumping, keep pumping in minus below zero X amount. I don't know how cold it was, really cold. And so he figured out what would withstand that and keep the oil coming. He was a very smart man, but he didn't know God like I knew. And I wasn't trying to put him down. I just said, well, you're more, you're more academic than I am. Lee. You think this way more and I think this way more. That's all I can tell you. I'm not a nut. I'm not going to do anything to hurt Diana. She's my wife. I love her. What? <laughs> I don't know what you're thinking I'm going to do. It's going to be a problem. Well, I don't know, but you don't have any money. I said, well, I've already told you what I have, and that's it. I'm not asking you to do anything for me either. But I'm not going to go to that college over there. I don't care if you gave me a brand new car to drive to the college. I'm not going. Because <laughs> God said, I want you in Louisville. Okay, let's get back on my nerd nation. And who keeps pulling me off of that? <laughs> okay, verse 21, 1 Timothy 5, 21. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one another, uh, doing nothing in partiality, lay hands suddenly on no man. He's not talking about laying hands on people for to be healed. He's talking about laying hands on them for ordination. Don't be hasty to do that. Yeah. But here it says something interesting. You know, I know God, he's the father of the whole thing. So it's naturally he'd be involved who he's putting a call on in their life. Secondly, Jesus is the head of the church. So he would be interested in who he's setting in an office of ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, or ministry of helps. It's not a five-fold ministry, but it's an essential ministry because you can't do, I can't do what I'm doing by myself. <laughs> so it says, the elect angels. I looked in, how, I don't have any reference books to figure this out and finally got it. The Greek says here, for the, they're excellent, they're chosen, and they're hand-selected for you and me, for our ministry. So really, a lot of the angels that I have with me now, some of them could have been assigned that day that I was ordained, but I didn't know any of that at that moment. So I'm just talking to you here, but it's important. So if you're not a pastor, you still have, and they were handpicked by Jesus to accompany me in my, I think now I'm thinking about it as a lot of the healing ministry. Yes, sir. Yeah. I was just in another city. I don't know where I was just at, Nebraska, I think. A lady wrote me a note, said I had a, a tumor on my neck. And since you prayed for it, it's gotten soft and it started diminishing already in like the next day. So I believe she's gonna get the whole thing. Okay, so what I'm saying is we need to have a sense of reverence and we have, all of us can have angels that help us. Just protect us is a big thing, yes, you know. And there's a spirit of fear on America now that it's, yeah. I just, I mean, it, I'm saddened by that. People are just in such fear yes, about disease, about sickness, yes. about the economy, about other nations and what they're doing or not doing. But I just stay away from that. I, you know, if you can't take the news, don't watch it. I got an idea, just don't watch it. Because if it upsets you all the time, you're gonna stay upset until you become a worry wart. You know what that is? Somebody worries all the time. Okay. So let me see here. I will put down here, sometimes there's no teaching on this subject. Secondly, there's wrong teaching on this subject. And third, little teaching on this subject. And I think I said to you already tonight, I've read approximately 100 books and not much I could use. I always stay with and put the word first. But I did keep three of them and one of them's mine, two of them are somebody else's books. Now, let me say something here about angels, just in closing. This is from the book, I believe in visions, Kenneth E. Hagin's book. 
and I, uh, I was with Dr. Dufresne, my spiritual father. See, I'm a good student. I, I listen to people that I need to listen to and don't listen to other people, but I listen to people God put me with. And I try to be a good student and a good son to Dr. Dufresne. So I was in a meeting with him in Pastor Webb's church in Birmingham, Alabama, and he's up preaching. He says, you preachers, and I'm a preacher, I'm standing right there. You need to read I Believe in Visions again. So I, I wrote it in my notes. Read I Believe in Visions again. I went home, I had I Believe in Visions, the book by Kenneth E. Hagin, in my office at home, and it was marked up with colored stuff like I do this stuff. Remember, I'm a doctor, remember? <laughs> and then secondly, uh, I had one at the church office, because I had the church office at that time. I don't have that anymore. I just have my office at home. And it was marked up too, but since he said, you ought to read it again, so I just talked to Arlene, works for me, and I said, Arlene, order me another copy of Brother Hagin's book, I Believe in Visions, and hand it to me when you get it. She did that, so I started in, you know, uh, chapter one, and I think this is from chapter nine, called The Angel's Vision, and Brother Hagin is having a vision with Jesus at the moment, and <laughs> it's kind of a funny, it's for a funny story, but there's something in it that I want to get to. He's talking to Jesus right here, and he says, who's this? And he said, well, that's your angel. He said, you didn't think you lost him because you grew up, did you? And I don't know, Brother Hagin didn't act like he responded like he wanted him to. So he started quoting scripture. You know, Jesus knows scripture. Yes, sir. He knows more than you and I together. Yes. You know, that time I said, well, is there anything like that? I haven't heard it or seen it. He said, there are a lot you haven't seen and heard yet. Okay, I would give up, you're right. So Jesus said, when I'm done talking to you, ask him what he wants. He said, why don't you just tell me? He said, ask him what he wants, what I'm telling you to do. You're not listening. I've added that you weren't listening, but he wasn't too good right then. He told on himself. I tell on my bloopers too sometimes. And so uh, brother Jesus, brother Jesus, he, he got, <laughs> you know, he got done with brother Hagen. Then Brother Hagin says, well, what do you need to say? He said, don't let that man mention the guy's name, loan you money for your material, uh, your books and your tapes, because he's got ulterior motives. He's gonna take it away from you eventually. So don't borrow the money from him. And then he said, okay. And the angel turned around like this. He turned, he kind of turned around and he went to Brother Hagin and said, my angels are out there working on that. And I would have done just like Brother Hagin, your angels, He's an angel talking to Brother Hagin, and he, listen to this, he's his personal angel. He's not some specific, specific guy that works for God exclusively for Brother Hagin. He's his personal angel. So if, that, if he got what he got, then I can get what I need with my angel too. And so he said, Brother Hagin said, you're angel. He said, yeah, I got a lot of angels help me take care of you. I just assigned to stay with you and protect you, but they do other things to help us get what we, you need. And then, so, you know, you know, I don't, I'm saying this reluctantly because I know how you feel about me. You want to, if I say something a little off, you're not too happy to deal with me. But Brother Hagin, he had that experience in a vision with Jesus. So I would say I'm going to trust his judgment that he didn't lie about it. He didn't fabricate it. He didn't stretch it. And then I read Richard Sigmund's book, uh, My Time in Heaven. He was dead for eight hours. He was in a car accident, died. They put a thing around his toe, a wire, and put him in the morgue. And when they got to him, they were gonna embalm him. He was gone for eight hours, came back and freaked the morticians out by coming, throwing the sheet back. Hey, where am I at? <laughs> You're in the morgue, what? how do you get up? <laughs> he went to heaven, he went to heaven and the angels, two of them assisted him and walked with him all through heaven and explained things to him. 
And one of the things they did, there's a couple of big angels came by me really big and they went like this. And Richard Sigmund said, what'd you do that for? Because they're of great strength and authority and we honor them above ourselves, and we always kind of bow in reverence to them. And then he said, you don't know much about angels in the earth, do you? I don't know what Richard said back to him, but he finally said, uh, you got a lot more angels in your personal life than you ever dreamed, but you guys don't know it on earth for whatever reason. I don't know what the problem is, but you don't know that. So what I'm saying that to say these two men both, uh, and I've read Richard Sigmund's book, My Time, it's a wonderful book if you can get it, it's about heaven, what heaven was like up there. And the two angels that escorted him around and he, they told him that when he was there. So I have two men that I respect and I don't know Brother Sigmund that well, but I know Brother Hagen's been a prophet for many, many, many years. Full-time ministry, I think 69 years when he went home, so hallelujah. So there are additional angels that are assigned to our personal angel that get other things done. I always wondered how that worked. Now, I don't have chapter and verse for that right now. I'm just told you what I told you about Brother Hagen and this other man. If you don't want to take it, that's fine with me. I, can't, I don't have a chapter and verse to give you. But sometimes, you know, I do pretty good just guessing things when I, somebody asks me something about angels, like that pastor. I got these two angels to help me as a mayor, but they're never at church with me. What do you think about that? I say they're not assigned to help you at church. That's simple. They're assigned to you in your civil government. And it's called a principality. It's a prince over a municipality. Wow. He said, you got a chapter and verse? And I told you this morning, I, look, I, go, I said, I don't have a verse. I'll get you one. Colossians 1.16 talks about the unseen beings in the planet Earth. So, and he did get some angels to help him in his church, by the way. So anyway. All right. Praise the Lord. Don't get, don't get defeated because I'm stopping. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's somebody here tonight I, that has some kind of a issue with your chest. I'm not saying it's your heart, but it has to do with your chest area. I'd like you to stand up with me, all of you. And if you, if that's you, I'd like you to come up here. I'd like to pray for you. I don't need to know everything about it, but just that it's a, in your chest area, some pressure or something. It, it may be associated with breathing. It could be associated with your heart or your lungs. I don't know what else you have in that area, but I'd like you to come if that's you. All right, Teresa. Anybody else need to respond? Hallelujah. All right. Somebody else is coming. In Jesus' name, I rebuke that. Come out! Break your power over her body and command her to breathe right and the heart to work right. Everything in that area to be healed. In the name of Jesus. There you go, Teresa. He commands you to be healed in that area of your body. Come out! Every bit of that I break off your life. I command you to breathe. Breathe properly. Your heart works normally in Jesus' name. Now, was that it for that thing? That Are you coming? Are you usher? Okay, you're an usher. All right. Now, there's somebody here, and I think there's more than one somebody, and you're having a lot of bad nightmares. I'd like to pray for you, whoever that is. Hallelujah. I'm just waiting a minute to see if anybody's going to respond. You know, sometimes people figure that out in their head. Let me see. I have, if you had a nightmare, you'd know you had one. I don't ever have dreams hardly. Maybe three in my life, that's it. But don't be ashamed of it. Just come and we'll get that off of you where you can function.
I think I told you about that young lady in Texas. I was praying for people's nightmares. I got to her. She's the last one in line, about 33 years old. And I had a hold of her head. I said, I'm going to take authority. And I break that thing over you. And then I looked inside of her supernaturally. I saw this evil spirit down here in her body. And I knew it had to do with immorality. I, mean, didn't, I didn't, know the, didn't know if it was self-imposed or somebody else did something. And I don't say things like that publicly because I'm not trying to humiliate or embarrass somebody. So I said to her, I see something, I'm gonna take care of it. And looked at her and she just looked like she was gonna go into shock. I said, I got you, if you'll let me do this, it'll be better in just a minute. So I said to come out of her and I could tell she had like an epileptic seizure. I've seen him do that to me or bark at me like a dog. I've had people do that and growl. They sounded vicious, but they didn't hurt me at all. And I took authority over it. With her, I just said, hey, it's okay, I've got you. I had a hold of her head like that. I said, just a moment more, Shh, that thing shot out of her, this evil spirit. I said, you just got delivered. Now, I didn't know this about this girl. She's new to me, I don't know her name. She is married with two children, I found that out. But her father violated her. That's all I'm gonna say about that, I'm not drawing this out. When she was nine or seven or eight or nine and did that until she was 17 and he warned his own daughter. Can you imagine it? I can't imagine it but uh, said to her, if you ever tell mom, I'll kill both of you. Well, she couldn't take it any longer. She had a nervous breakdown at 17 years old. And she told her mother, and of course they got divorced. And then she went to a club to dance. I'll just say that, you know, scandally clad, because she could make good money. But she said, then I began to be convicted. I met this man that was a real Christian. And I gave my life to God and married him. I've had two children with him, but you tell Dr. Jacobs for me, I never felt clean until he prayed that over me. She was able to be with her husband, but she felt terrible internally because of all that her father had created in her, just to devalue herself. That's why she was a dancer. She just didn't have any self-esteem about her anymore. You know, a lot of people do things out of weird stuff that somebody else is a problem. Anyway, she got delivered, that's what I'm saying. I just praise God for it. And I didn't embarrass her or say anything that would let people think that I knew really what the deal was. It wasn't her business. Anyway, I'm just talking. Somebody here, you, nobody had nightmares. Is that right? I think I'm going to move on. Just checking. I don't run after me to the car when I'm going to the restaurant and flag me down out of here. Uh, there's somebody here, you have headaches. It's not you, Misty, I pray for you. But it's like there's a band around your head. When you start getting one, it's like there's a twister here in, around your head that just tightens up and tightens up and tightens up where you feel like your head's gonna explode. That's the person I wanna pray for. Who is that? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm just waiting a minute. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Still don't have any person needs the nightmare thing removed, right? Okay, I'm just checking. Just checking. Okay, I'm going to ask for anybody to come up here. You just like me to lay hands on you, and you could receive a refreshing. I got refreshing in my hands. My spiritual father told me that in Lima, Peru. So I'll be glad to lay hands on you, and I'll start over on this end when I get started in a minute. The ushers will help me. Hallelujah. Thanks for coming, Tiff. You, you helped me tonight in praise and worship. Okay, receive that anointing, let that go in you. Receive that, Brandon, let that go in you. Receive that, Tiff, let that go in you. 
receive that, Pastor. Let that go. Receive it. Let that anointing go in you. Receive it. Oh, Ooh. Candace. Receive that, Pastor Randy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Watch her. Hallelujah. I think she's got it. Pastor Luke, receive a refreshing in your ministry. Receive Michael a refreshing in your ministry. Receive refreshing in your ministry, Elaine. Receive refreshing in your ministry. Receive refreshing in your life. Receive refreshing in your life. And you too. Praise God. Hand of the Lord's on you, young lady. I don't know you, but I know that the hand of the Lord's on you. I don't mean my hand's on you. That's true, but I felt an anointing when I touched you. Did you feel that? Yeah. God's going to use you. You too. All right. Let me see. I'm going to start right here with this lady, I think. I was going that way. I didn't mean to confuse the ushers. Receive that anointing. Let that go in you. Refreshing in your life is coming into your being right now. Refreshing is coming into your life in the name of Jesus. Refreshing is coming into your life. That's it. Take as much as you want. Refreshing coming into your life in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the anointing. Praise God. I still get you're going to preach. <laughs> Receive that, Bailey, in the name of Jesus. Refreshing on you. Refreshing on you in the name of Jesus. Refreshing on you, Jason, in the name of Jesus. Refreshing on you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. It's coming. Refreshing's coming on you. I sense there's been a little weariness a little bit, but that's being all erased right now. Refreshing on you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your anointing. Thank you, Father, for your anointing. In Jesus' name, refreshing on people right now. Let's see. Okay, there's some more up here. I'm going to start over here with these young ones. Thanks for the cards. In the name of Jesus, let that refreshing come on you. Bethany. Receive that, Jonathan. In the name of Jesus, let refreshing come on you right now. Refreshing on you, Mom, in the name of Jesus. And refreshing on you, yes. You're having trouble what? To be able to stand up and walk straight, is that what you mean? Yes, sir. Okay, okay. Father, I take authority over that disease and command you, come out. I rebuke you by the root system and command you to die and be no more in her body and that she'll live. And that, that'll not be able to progress. Though, regardless of what they said, we reverse it right now from Galatians 3 where it says we've been redeemed from the curse of the law, which is any kind of sickness or disease. So we command that Parkinson's rebuked in the name of Jesus and the life of God to go into my sister and make her able to function, walk, stand, whatever she needs to do in Jesus' name. Oh my goodness, praise God. You got something. Crystal, receive that refreshing on you. It's coming on you right now. Receive that refreshing on you. Hallelujah, receive that refreshing on you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, receive that, Teresa, refreshing on you. In Jesus' name. All right, praise God. And your part is just keep saying to yourself, the power of God's working in me. 
power of God's working is. All you have to say, and just say it every day as much as you want. If you say it more, it'll speed it up. And it'll stay on you longer as long as you're fresh and anew on that in your mind, you know. That's what I'm saying. Hallelujah. Diamond, receive that anointing and let it go on you. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Receive that refreshing and let it come on you in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, for refreshing all the people. In the name of hey, here he is. He calls me Dr. Pawpaw. Would you how do you like that? Father, we thank you for Emmett. Pray the refreshing come on him. Refresh him, encourage him, help him in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for it. Amen. Amen. Refreshing on you, China, in the name of Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Strong anointing on you there. Yeah, about a band or something. Yeah, it could have been that. It could be something else connected with the nerves and stuff. Okay. Father, in the name of Jesus, I command that to loose him and let him go in his neck and all the side he pointed out to me. I pray for all the pain to be absorbed by the life of God and move out of him and health and healing to take his place. In the, oh, that's it right there. A strong anointing on you. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm telling you. Hallelujah. Mr. Dillon, fresh anointing on you, son. In the name of Jesus, grandson, we love you and we bless you and we thank you for God's hand on your life. And God's proud of you too, and so am I. Hallelujah. You're doing a good job. Praise God. Refreshing on you in the name of Jesus. Refreshing come to your spirit, your soul, your body, all of these, Father, in the name of Jesus. And our parts to just say the anointing's working in me. Yeah, the anointing's working in me too. The more you say it, the more you'll have it. The less you say it, the less you'll have it. I didn't write the rules. That's just how the program works. Whoever will believe and doubt not in his heart, but will say he'll have what he says. All right, praise God. Andrew, receive that refreshing coming on you now in the name of Jesus. Oh my goodness. It's a strong anointing on you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen anybody do that like that. <laughs> Had his feet going up like this and just balanced perfect for quite, until he went out. Okay, and one more thing, just real quick here. If you have depression in your life, I'll be glad to pray for you, but you need to come quick because I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut the service off in just a second. But if you have depression or you've been overwhelmed by stuff that kind of piles up on you, you know, you could, all of us could have a bad day. You know, I've had a few, I don't like them, but I've had a few. But if that stays on you uh, periodically, that begins to wear you down. And it gets compounded if we don't deal with it. So. I got uh, Miss Teresa here for depression in the name of, come out of her. Depression, I rebuke your power to hold her in sway, keep her in bondage. I loose her now in the name of Jesus. Command that thing broken off of you once and for all in the name of Jesus. And there it is right there, Teresa. Hallelujah. I'll take authority over that. Come out. I break your power over him in the name of Jesus. Depression, you have to leave. 
in the name of Jesus, come out. I rebuke your power in his life and command you to loose him now and for him to go free from your intimidation and things you've done to, to hurt him in the name of, and he's healing right now. And God, you're going to use him in a mighty way after tonight. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Okay. Bailey, I pray for you. Come out! Every bit of that to loose you. I command that to come out in the name of Jesus and not return in Jesus' name. Roger. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, come out! Every bit of that depression, heaviness. Hallelujah. And I command that to loose your mind. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, something's trying to hold you in a, in a strategic way that's not good. So I command that thing broken off your soul and for God to set you free. And I set you free in Jesus' name, in His name. Break your power over her life in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. I'm just going to wait a second or two more. And thank you for that has to leave in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Something went. In the name of Jesus, I command that thing broken in your life. I command you come out in Jesus' name. And her mind and everything return to normal. Her emotional status was the same with all of these men and women. In Jesus' name, I pray for God's power to heal you right now. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Command that thing broken in your life. Come out. I command that thing to loose you. Let it go free now. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for setting people free tonight at this altar. Their health will return, their joy will return, their peace will return, and they'll be in good stead with you. Hallelujah. And the enemy is gone from all that stuff because I say so in Jesus' name. And we thank you for it, Father. All right. Praise God. I'm, I'm done. Thanks for your help. I'm done, Pastor. Thank you for receiving me tonight. I know I preached a while. Lord, we give you praise. You alone are worthy. Hallelujah. Our God's working in me. Our God's working in me. Our God's working in me. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we praise you. Thank you, Jesus. What a meeting. Thank you so much for coming. Those of you who traveled, we believe you're just going to be so blessed on the way home. It'll be like, you, you know, you don't even know how you got there. But the Lord be, be with you. Amen. I've had trips like that. Holly, you know, the Lord's always told me every time I made sacrifice to go somewhere, he appreciated it and blessed me special because of it. Because it's important to him because he loves you. He wants to bless you. Amen. He really does. So we're so glad y'all came. It's such a meeting. So thankful. So you're dismissed in the name of Jesus. And we'll see you the next time we do this. Praise God.